Today on Ag News Daily, which I did in May um, 2020, I mean, I had like 800 farmers plinking all over the place. It was it was crazy uh, and super fun. And then that kind of just lit my purpose in life, like my passion. Good afternoon and happy Wednesday from the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr joined by Delaney Howell. Delaney, how is your hump day going? It is hump day. Happy hump day to all of our podcast listeners. And uh, thanks for tuning in with us for another day here. It's going pretty well so far, Ashton. How about yours? I'm glad to hear that yours is going well because mine, on the other hand, has been a little bit rough. I woke up with a terrible headache this morning and I had my first two tests of the semester. And of course, I have, you know, to do some podcast things. So it's been a little bit of a bumpy ride today, but I'm excited to talk through the news with you today. As am I, Ashen, because there's a couple of big events going on that uh, are important. I think we need to mention here. And one of those is what's going on in the natural gas industry. And there's kind of a couple things at play. You know, I talked a little bit about this yesterday on the podcast when we look at China and kind of the overall geopolitical scene that's going on here with energy shortages and uh, them kicking off or them having power shortages in the country. But natural gas is also having some issues as well. We've seen natural gas now hit $6, which is something that a lot of analysts didn't expect to see until this winter or at least later on this year. But we're starting to see a lot of uptick in natural gas prices, and that's going to cause some potential issues for finding available energy sources and paying for that, especially when you think about things that we use natural gas for, like heating our homes. We are seeing... This happened, though, nation, not only nationwide, but also globally, as the U.S., the U.K., and other countries are also having a tightening natural gas supply. And that is, of course, trickling into other commodities as well. But prices prices are higher across the board in Europe and the U.K. and continuing to worsen or continuing to go higher, I should say. Um, on average, natural gas prices are about five times higher than normal. Uh, this is there's a lot of reasons behind this. Production is lower. We're still kind of seeing a lag here due to COVID-19 shutdowns, but also a lot of it has been, you know, from this move to folks switching to quote unquote clean energy, which has discouraged the use of natural gas and also coal. So appears this market's going to be very volatile moving forward, especially with China added into the mix and some of the issues that they're dealing with there as well. Uh, so we certainly could see a spike in natural gas prices heading into the winter months as we fuel our homes. Well, Delaney, that was a great story to kick things off today. And I have one that, of course, is still interesting, but definitely not as good as that one. But I'm going to go ahead and follow this up with some weather news coming out of India. A cyclone which brought heavy rains damaged India's summer sown crops like beans, cotton, uh, and other vegetables just before harvest in key growing areas. And so this could potentially reduce production and lift prices, according to industry officials. So I'm going to be keeping my eye out on this. And we're just now getting numbers from Hurricane Ida. So I think that this could take a little bit um, to really 
get in there and see what the damage has really caused to these crops. But like these industry officials said, this could lift prices. So that's another market thing that we're going to have to keep our eyes out on Delaney. Yeah, it certainly sounds that way, Ashton. And you know, the other big industry that we're watching really closely is input costs and more specifically fertilizer input costs. I know we're still working to line up that interview. There's a couple of folks, Ashton, I know that we've kind of been chatting back and forth on there. We're working still to get that lined up. I know it's going to be a great episode, but two fertilizers also recently saw significant price increases for the third week in September. And I tell you what, Ashton, the charts are just crazy looking at the cost of fertilizer here in 2021 compared to not only the five-year average, but even last year and the year prior. A number of other fertilizers have also moved higher as we look at potash, urea. Those are the two major ones that we really have seen jump over the past week. But we're also looking at higher anhydrous prices, higher MAP prices. And overall, across the board, a lot of producers are getting pretty nervous. So we understand this is a great time to have that conversation, especially as we're uh, in the middle of harvest season. And some folks might be having some fall applications, some fall field work. And you got to know what's up what's coming down the pipeline. So that's certainly something we're working to line up here because it is going to have a major implication if we do continue to see these higher prices. And not only that, but if we have any sort of a shortage, Ashton, that will be a messy situation for agriculture. It certainly will be. And hopefully at the beginning of next week, or I guess this time next week for our next hump day episode, it will be one talking about fertilizer, really itching to get that one in there, but I'm going to move things on here, Delaney, and talk about African swine fever as the USDA announced that it is committing $500 million from the Commodity Credit Corporation to prevent African swine fever in the U.S., Ag Secretary Vilsack said that to support a robust expansion and coordination of monitoring, surveillance, prevention, quarantine, and other activities in the Dominican Republic and Haiti to help eliminate the risk. Vilsack, who made the announcement earlier today, says that it's critical to keep African swine fever out of the U.S., which of course is something that we already know. We've been talking a ton about African swine fever lately, and especially with it hitting so close to home in the DR and Haiti, it's definitely something that we're going to have to be extra diligent about. And we also heard following the statement from Vilsack from president of the National Pork Producers Council, Jen Sorensen, as she thanked Vilsack for this extra funding to help protect our more than 60,000 pork producers in the U.S. The funding is part of the USDA's new $3 billion investment in ag, animal health, and new climate partnership initiative also announced by Vilsack this morning. So some Potentially good news just because we have that $500 million to kind of lay back on when we're trying to fight against African swine fever, but could also be seen as some bad news if we were ever to see that disease get into the U.S. border. Yeah, and Ashton, not only did they announce some funding there for that, but uh, about $3 billion in total towards infrastructure investments, animal health and nutrition uh, climate partnership slash water initiatives. So they did dump quite a bit of new support money into the agriculture industry as of today. So certainly some big moves there made by USDA. 
Absolutely. It was Delaney. And I just have one other story that I want to share today. I thought it was pretty interesting as, of course, we are still talking about COVID-19 and restrictions. And I wasn't up to date on any of the travel requirements when you're coming from out of the country or anything of that nature. But we recently heard from a Canadian dairy farm manager who was on his way to World Dairy Expo say that his crew had no problems crossing into the U.S. to attend World Dairy Expo. Kenny McRae with West Coast Holsteins in British Columbia said that he was concerned about being forced to turn around and go home, which would be pretty devastating if you're making that long trip. He said that it took 50 hours with the cows, of course, to go over to Madison, Wisconsin from an area near Manitoba. And to be forced to turn around would be pretty devastating, especially I don't think that, uh, or I don't know, Delaney, if World Dairy Expo was in person last year. I don't. Yes. Uh, Oh, last year. That's a good question. You know, I'm not sure if I know the answer to that one. I know it's in person this year, as you're saying, but last year... Question mark. Yeah, I don't I don't think it was because I've seen a couple of headlines talking about how folks are happy to be back at World Dairy Expo. So I'm thinking it's a no, but this trip was 3,300 miles. So I'm glad that these Canadian dairy farmers were able to get over to World Dairy Expo in Madison, Wisconsin. So it was a little bit of feel good news for today that the world is opening back up. Of course, there wasn't super harsh COVID restrictions. But of course, the dairy cows had their normal testing as usual, but I thought it was pretty interesting, exciting, and I just couldn't believe that they made a 3,300-mile trip with cows in tow. Yeah, no kidding. That is quite the journey. Don't envy that at all. I'm not a good road trip person. I'd probably just pass out, take a little nap. Yeah, I'm not good at road trips. No, especially when you're hauling livestock. There There was one time... Um, my dad and I, we went to the National Western in Denver, Colorado, and it's quite a trip going back down to Dallas from there. And he thought it was a good idea for me, who was 15. I don't even think I had my learner's permit yet. So if there's any cops out there listening, please don't come for me. But he made me drive all the way through Kansas with our bumper full trailer because we had two pigs that we had taken up there. And he just passed out the entire time. So It was a journey. So I've learned how to kind of cope with it, but 3,300 miles definitely doesn't compare to just crossing over Kansas. No, certainly not, Ashton. But uh, speaking of crossing over here, we're going to cross into some cooler temperatures over the next 15 days. As you know, we've been having some unusually warm temperatures up here in the northern plains and eastern western Corn Belt down in your neck of the woods, maybe having some unusually cool temperatures. But that is expected to start shifting here Um starting this weekend, heading into next week, beginning of October, of course, is on Friday. We're going to start to see some cooling temperatures heading into the weekend. And then as you look out a little bit further towards the end of next week, things will really start to cool off and then kind of reheat back up. Unusually so for this time of year, we're not going to be seeing temperatures in the 80s next week, but we will start to see cooling temperatures this weekend, followed by a little bit warmer than normal temperatures next weekend. And parts of the Corn Belt should be getting some rain this weekend, which I know is much needed in many portions of the United States. So that's just a quick little weather update for our folks as well. But with that, Ash, and I'm kind of out of news for today. What about you? 
I'm all out and ready to hear how the markets ended for today, Delaney. Fantastic. Well, markets certainly had a pickup today. We saw a turnaround Tuesday and that action followed through in today. And we saw some green across the screen, kicking things off here in the December corn contract up six and a half cents to close at 539. The March up six and a half as well to close at 547. In the soybean pits, the November contract up six and three quarters cents to close at 1283 and three quarters. The January up six and a half cents to close at 1293 and a half. In the wheat pits today, the all across the board, we saw strength in the Chicago hard red and Minneapolis contracts as the Chicago December contract added three and three quarter cents to close at seven twelve and a, seven ten and a quarter. The March up three and a quarter to close at seven twenty two and a quarter. Hopping over into the livestock markets, unfortunately, we saw weakness here today. October live cattle down twenty two and a half cents to close at one twenty one seventy seven and a half. The Dees down forty five to close at one twenty seven oh five and a half. Feeder cattle, that weakness continued with the September contract shedding 12.5 cents to close at 154.27.5. The October down $1.50 to close at 154.62.5. And And in lean hogs today, the October contract shed 87.5 cents as we near expiration, or excuse me, as we near delivery here. The December up two and a half cents to close at 83.60. And what's interesting here is we saw weakness further out with the February contract down 22 and a half cents to close at 85.77 and a half. And wrapping things up, Ashton, with the class three dairy milk futures, the November contract up 35 cents today to close at 17.89. The December up 19 to close at 17.56. Ashton, without further ado, fill us in on who we're chatting with for today's interview. Well, we are talking to Farm Fit Mama, Amanda Nig. Well, folks, we've chatted with uh, this gal's other half. We'll say the better half is on with us today. We're talking to Amanda <laughs> Nig, who is the better half to Louie Nig, who we've had on the podcast before. And Amanda, we've chatted a lot with Louie, you know, off and on via Twitter, but you're also... You've got a pretty good Twitter following yourself. So Amanda, before we dive into your background, it's kind of a Twitter superstar. Tell us a little bit about you and Louie's Farm. I like the superstar. (laughs) Um, So we farm on a fifth generation farm up in the northeastern part of South Dakota. And um, I did not, however, grow up in the agriculture scene at all. My parents, my dad was an engineer on the railroad and my mom worked for UPS. So when I met Louie, it was a whole, I don't even know how to describe it. It was something totally foreign to me to be living on a farm in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) I bet that was a bit of an adjustment for you. Um, because you really have gotten integrated into the farm. You guys have two little boys that you're raising there on the farm together, and you're just as much a part of the operation as Louie is. Absolutely. Like, I mean, we really are a team when it comes to the farm. Like, I mean, my name's on half the paperwork as well. So when it comes to decisions and stuff, I mean, obviously I trust his judgment because he's been farming since he was like 18 um, on his own, but we do handle a lot of the not just finances, but paperwork and stuff that keeps this operation going. Um, so for me, like, and this is a cool random fact, like I'm the, actually the first female on Nick farms to drive a tractor in five generations. 
So it is pretty cool to actually realize that um, early on that a lot of the women didn't really play that active role of being part of that procedure as much as I was. And that's a a really neat story. I always like hearing about how some of these older farms really incorporate, you know, new things and new ideas onto their operation. But I want to go ahead and talk about the Farm Fit Mama. I want to learn a little bit more and where that idea came from. Yeah, um, something that I feel first and foremost humbled and blessed to be doing. Um, I never thought I would be a fitness coach. I'm going to be 100% honest with that. It it all happens where um, last year we went through a very traumatic event, which if you've been following, a lot of people have been following me or my husband for a while, knows the story that we lost our forever home that we just built after four years to a house fire, um, literally the day before the national pandemic. And so there was a lot of uncontrollables last year between that and the, the pandemic that the only way that I dealt with all that is I turned to fitness, which was my go-to. And I started posting more of my fitness journey online. A lot of people started asking me questions like, what program are you doing? Um, or what, what, how are you working out with no weights? And it just propelled into a couple of challenges that I did. Um, one that I absolutely loved was a planking challenge I did in May, um, 2020, I mean, I had like 800 farmers planking all over the place. It was it was crazy um, and super fun. And then that kind of just lit my purpose in life, like my passion. Um, it actually propelled me into wanting to become a fitness coach. And, you know, there's a huge difference between a personal trainer and a fitness coach. A personal trainer is someone that just trains you on the fundamentals of the movement, where I am not only doing that, but I'm also a mentality, like I teach or not mentality, but mental coach is what I want to say there. Like I, I go behind the things. So we're not only just, I'm not only training you physically, I'm also training you mentally. Um, and I've actually hands down feel so blessed to be on this path um, and to be able to do that um, with the ag community. So hundred percent of my clients are all ag. I only work with individuals in the ag spectrum. So that could be like farmers, that could be people that work at John Deere Implements. Um, You know, I have a couple people from the USDA office in there, Um, ranchers all over the place. Um, Again, I feel super humbled and blessed to be on this path as well. And you guys have had such a difficult road to host. So it's really exciting to see that you guys are back up on your feet. You've got this new thing going for you. I think it's just a really inspirational story for folks overall, you know, regardless of what you're going through, you guys went through probably one of the worst events that could have possibly happened. And here you are, you came out the other side and now you're working to help and motivate other people. Um, Amanda, when you look at the structure of your coaching, you know, you said you work hundred percent with ag folks, whether that's farmers, ranchers, folks in agribusiness, how do you go about working with those people? Since there are a large variety of people with different personalities and different backgrounds and how do you bring all of those together and are there is is your platform just one-on-one coaching or is there also a community that you're building here as well both actually um and it's just gonna get bigger and bigger so when i say both is i started out as one-on-one coaching i i launched my fitness business in february 2021 um so i've this i'm still in my first year of business which is insane to me um how fast it's 
and I'm not trying to sound overconfident here, but it's just like that there was such a need. Um, there was such a need to bridge that gap between physical and mental health within the act community. And again, I feel humbled and blessed to be that um, impact, to be able to make that impact within there. Um, and so what I do is I do something called an application process to even be considered into my program. Um, just because of the fact that you do work so closely with me. And so I want to get to know that person on the other end and figure out how they tick or how I can help them. But also with that being said, is there so much a tribe or community aspect? So I have a, I have a platform where I house all my clients in and that's where they can get their workouts. They can get a hold of me 24 um, seven. With that being said, there's this community space in this platform where they can message people from all over the United States and even Canada. So my first application opening back in February, I took on two Canadian gals and it's been super fun. I, I never thought my business would go international right out the gates. Um, since then, I've had a couple people from the UK even apply for my program, which is crazy that I had that, that my program has that big of a reach. Um, and so it's, it's just super humbling and, and we are we're a really close tight community because at the end of the day, everybody that's in this app or not the app, but platform with me, you know, we're all, we all have one thing in mind. We're trying to not only become physically stronger, but also mentally, um, and to be that best version of ourselves, um, which has lit so many passions and, um, people's purpose. And I absolutely love hearing their why, why did they start their journey with me? Why are they wanting to, um, even be, even to go through a fitness program and to create a lifestyle where it is easy and like second nature to apply. Um, and so it's really cool to just, like, like I said, as a coach, to be able to meet these people and individuals from across the United States and Canada. Well, Amanda, I just have one more thing as we're kind of wrapping up here. You know, you mentioned the need for a program like this in the ag industry when it comes to physical and mental health. And, you know, the ag industry is one that's probably underserved when it comes to physical and mental health opportunities and, you know, bettering those things. I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit and kind of dissect, you know, why there is this disconnect. I don't know why there is a disconnect. Like when, like I said, when I started my journey, um, I just realized there was a disconnect, that big of a disconnect. Like mental health is, is such a huge issue. Um, it And it's more highlighted just because of recent events, you know, with the pandemic and what's going on, but it's always been there. And what drove me to want to be that that connection, that bridge between those two things is because you can have a lifestyle where you are seeing progress and seeing muscles. And it doesn't have to mean you have to go to a gym. Like, you know, my community, for example, I live and eat it. Like I live on a farm in the middle of nowhere. And so for me to go to a gym and have access to all this equipment is it doesn't happen. And so for me to be able to show that you could have that physical it, you know, progress without having um, a ton of equipment was just my ultimate goal. I mean, I had a client go through my program that went through my whole entire program using buckets of oats. You know, she was up in the middle of 
Canada and they they've been on lockdown longer than us. And she went through my whole program using buckets of oats and we adjusted the weight by adding water, you know, in something like that, that takes a lot of self-discipline and drive. And so it's just, it's really cool as a coach to see, um, people break down their own walls that they built for themselves that they didn't even realize they had. Um, and so that's why I just had set it out as a mission to be that impact to show that you can have physical progress um, and you can also go through something and become mentally stronger, um, not with just yourself, but, you know, it portrays into everything you do. Like you're, you're better to your spouse. Maybe you're better to your kids. You're better to your farming operation. You can think at your ultimate best, like working out helps release endorphins that makes your brain function. Your brain is your biggest muscle. You know, you got to feed it with proper nutrition and releasing those endorphins. You're happier, more eager to get to tasks. You have more energy. And so there's a lot of added benefits between physical and mental health. And that's why they truly are the same thing. Um, and so the disconnect, I, I mean, it, it took me, I've been in this ag family for, I've been married to my husband. It'll be nine years this fall. And I've been, we were prior to that, we were in a relationship for a year and um, I don't know where the disconnect came. And it, it I, I'm definitely set out to bridge that disconnect and to be able to help as many as I can. And Amanda, again, it's been really awesome to hear your story. We certainly appreciate you coming on today to be a guest with us. But for those folks that have really resonated with something you've said, or maybe want to check out your coaching, how can they find you? Well, I'm actually on all platforms. I'm on um, Instagram's kind of my 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 favorite platform. No offense to Twitter or Facebook, but I do. I'm on all Instagrams. I you can search me Farm Fit Mama or Amanda Nig. Um, and then I do have a website as well. It's www.farmfit, um, all one word mama, M O M M A.com. Um, and they can reach out there as well. Fantastic. Well, Amanda, thanks again for joining us today. Certainly appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for asking me. Thanks again there to Amanda for coming on and chatting with us, especially on her birthday. We had that conversation yesterday and she turned 35 yesterday. So a happy belated birthday to her. And if you aren't following her, she put her socials there at the end. So be sure to do that, but go ahead and follow along with Ag News Daily while you're at it. If you aren't already, we surely hope you do, but you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let him go.